Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Here we are again. I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nath Prasad. I'm Dave Bluestein. I'm Steve Lynch. We are all together in one room, finally. He's here, he is. Dave. I had the things I have seen. Oh, <laughs> I've drawn you a map. Yeah. You've been places. It's a living That's right. Yes. Um, so it's good to have us all in the one uh, place. We still look. I tell you what, we're still going to have one of uh, Dave's very, very popular recaps. Uh, so Dave, man from another place, just tell us what the hell did we just see in Twin Peaks Return Part Eleven? Well, it's another quiet day in Twin Peaks as three young boys play catch until they spot Miriam, the primary school drug dealer, crawling out of the brush, covered in blood from her recent beating by Dick Horn. Like I said, another quiet day. Meanwhile, over at the Fat Trout trailer park, Becky gets a call about Steve that makes her so mad, she grabs a gun and borrows her mum's car. If by borrow, you mean drives away while Shelley grips on the hood like a Terminator. Luckily, Harry Dean Stanton is there to give Shelley a lift using a tin whistle to summon his trusty steed slash combi van. Meanwhile, Norma is up in the back of the double R doing the world's longest tax return like a literal boss. She points out that Shelley's ex and Becky's dad is a deputy sheriff. Duh. So Shelley pulls in a favour from Bobby to stop Becky, who is now over at Gersten Haywood's place shooting bullets through the door, while Stephen and Gersten hide under the stairs. Yeah, he's falling around with Donna's little sister, who, disappointingly, isn't dressed like a pink fairy and reciting poetry. This season changes everything. Elsewhere, Hastings and the CIA go to the site where he and Ruth visited the zone. There are woodsmen here, which Gordon Cole can see. He, Tammy and Albert go investigate, while Maclay and Hastings wait in the car and Diane smokes another cigarette, giving a metaphorical middle finger to the universe. Cole wanders over to the spot, the sky opens up into a vortex, and everything goes swirly and fuzzy. He sees three woodsmen standing on a staircase like a barbershop quartet, badly in need of a barber. Albert manages to pull him out just in time, and they spot the headless corpse of Ruth Davenport with coordinates written on her arm. Albert snaps some photos as evidence, or possibly for material for his new girlfriend's stand-up set. Meanwhile, Diane sits on the back of Cole's car and watches as a woodsman sneaks up to the cop car and rips off the top half of Hastings' skull. There is no backup for this. Back in the double R, Bobby and Shelley stage an intervention with Becky about her abusive drug-taking boyfriend until Shelley spots her new death-dealing, finger-gunning, drug-wizard boyfriend and runs out to snog him in the street like the flighty, misguided horror film bait she is. Red sprints off. Why is he in such a hurry? Maybe it's got something to do with what happens next. While Bobby is looking longingly at Shelley, which is what he does now, a bullet fires from outside right into the double R diner. Bobby runs out into the chaos, gun drawn, and finds a kid who's fired a gun out of the back of a van. Kid is full of attitude, knows exactly what he was doing, but the next car along keeps honking her horn. Bobby goes to check it out, and a weird zombie kid vomiting green bile comes lurching out of the back seat, and Bobby just looks at her, which is what he does now. Over at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, Hawk and Truman look at the coordinates for the lodge that they got from Briggs. Hawk shows a map to Truman. It's got a picture of campfires on it, which mean electricity or bad electricity or death or pretty much whatever you need to solve the mystery, apparently, because it's a living thing. It's a living map. Very old, but always current. Gotta stop letting Constance write my jokes. And finally, we move to Vegas, where Dougie is about to get moiterized by the Mitchum brothers. Bradley is particularly keen to do some moiterizing, even though he's had a bit of a disturbing dream. Bernard Mullins takes Dougie to the waiting limousine, but on the way, Dougie gets distracted by the vision of the one-armed man waving him over into a coffee and pie shop. Dougie gets into the car with a box and is driven out to the desert, where the Mitchum brothers are supposedly going to buy him lunch. But wait! This is just like Bradley's dream, including the damn good cherry pie in Dougie's box. Then they find the check for the insurance claim in Dougie's pocket, and Dougie is saved. Pie and Angelo battle music for everyone. There we go. We're all caught up. Another fantastic episode. Another one of these ones where I, f- I feel like we're getting back to a place where a lot of what we're trying to do is still solve the mysteries and pull the pieces together, but there's still enough of the weirdness, the supernatural, and all that other stuff in there that made Twin Peaks big 
huge with the fans in the first place. And, yeah. the, do- and the domesticity, I think. Like a little bit of those kind of soapy plot threads. That yeah, it's absolutely. It's very real classic Twin Peaks now, and it's still so totally different in so many ways from what it was 25 years ago. But uh, a lot of those same beats are there, and the, the mixture of the horror and, like I said, the domesticity and the soap opera. Yeah. It's just it's a really lovely mix that they've got. It's almost as if it had, if it had been going for 25 years, you could imagine this is what it would grow into. In some ways, you know, like if, yeah, if you've been following these characters and that we're both still with that same sense of or growing sense of menace, you know, I really do feel now. I've forgotten when we talked about this, but this idea that there has been something weird in the background mm. of the Twin Peaks the whole time, and that's why it's become this way. The scene, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in a moment, but that scene outside the double R with the cars really gave you a sense that this is this town has become yeah. sick, yeah. this epicenter yeah. of this yeah. diseased, um, evil yeah. place. So, yeah. 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 yeah, You said something really interesting before we started the record, Dave, and that was that there are a lot of beats that feel like they're not going to be resolved this series. And the question is... Is there going to are there going to be future series of this? Are there not? Um, if if there aren't, the idea that Lynch and Frost have created this, knowing that they're setting up plot points that are never going to be resolved, but that's part of what you get with Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's yeah, but part of that soap opera. We still film. have about seven hours to go, right? Which is the equivalent of two Godfather films back to back. So true. yeah, <laughs> if this moved at the pace of the Godfather, then yeah. <laughs> we're talking about half an hour in the, the time of yeah. Twin Peaks. So yeah, yeah. Um, there is Mark Frost has slated. And you can pre-order on Amazon. In fact, visit our website and you can have a look at the link to this thing. There is a, a final book mm. by Mark Frost called The Final Dossier yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it's called The Final Dossier, which kind of is, suggests that we are kind of at the ultimate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you visit our website, so the, all the show notes for this uh, episode are on daveandlynch.com forward slash part 11. Uh, and you can find link to that and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about today. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what, one of the great things that did pop out of this episode is the soap opera trope of if why kill someone straight away when you can leave them to die in an unnecessarily slow and uh, painful way, only to find that they actually didn't die and they managed to crawl away. That's right. Oh, I know. Slightly, slightly more effective than sending a handwritten letter to the sheriff about this crawling on your hands and knees and covered in blood. I don't know. She might have made a 911 call and the police still would not have gotten to I, I freaking love it if, like, not only has he got the wrong letter because he got Miriam Hodges instead of the other one, but also she's there going, yeah, that's not my letter. Yeah, yeah. still alive. <laughs> <laughs> this guy right here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Lucy's going, she wrote the letter, but she's here. I don't yeah. understand. How does she that work? Straight, straight, straight straight is it about the bunny? <laughs> yeah. So she's still alive, found by the um, Stand By stand by Me kids. Yeah, that's so, right. Oh, that's really cute. And the the house that they were playing catch out the front of, uh, I've read a few things that David Lynch very much likes all numbers to add up to seven. Uh, oh, in, right. In, his, in Twin Peaks. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, obviously. Um, but, well, uh, this, the, their house is four, three, three, four, seven. So four and three... Seven, three, and four is seven, and then you've got seven. Huh? Now, I could just be seeing shit into nothing, <laughs> but it sure as hell adds up. Well, that's kind of weird, though, because that sounds like this sort of quasi-numerology kind of thing, whereas in numerology, you would add four, three, four, three, seven. Yeah. Which would give and you, you 21, exactly. which would add, yeah, those numbers are yet three, multiples of three, that's three, exactly and 15. That's exactly right. So I think maybe oh it's God. right, but it's not quite the same... 
I always, know. as a math teacher, I always, I always back well, well away from all that stuff because there's so many crazy conclusions you can draw from numbers. Oh, so you're I, happy, you, you were back away from this, but you're happy to go play with Gnosticism and all kinds of Oh, yeah, see that? Well, that stuff's real, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we should get Adam Spencer as a future guest of the podcast and just watch all of the episodes and come back with every single mathematical uh, combination. Oh, my God, that would be so numbers. good. Yeah. Make some but, calls. But, but yeah. people who don't um, live in Australia, um, Adam Spencer is a, a very funny, uh, well-known um, personality, but he's also a very brilliant mathematician. Yeah, he's, a, he's got a book. Put the link to his book on there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like every uh, every number between 1 and 100 has got some incredible little bit of trivia about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Becky's had enough. She's going to take the law into her own hands. She's got a gun, but she doesn't have a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the gun under the couch, because that's where you keep your gun. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that where you keep yours? Well, since he had her, like, on that same couch, like, threatening her last last episode. Oh, yeah. She should have just... Well, just no, no, she may, just, she like, may have the put it there post that Oh, attack. I agree. It's a good place to hide it. That's exactly if right. Oh. But, you know, like every girl in trouble, she always, you can always rely on mom. Yeah. To come to your rescue. Throwing her off the hood of your car. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and meanwhile, Norma's still doing paperwork. Yeah. Yes. And so Norma's doing paperwork when Shelley gets the call. So Shelley <laughs> leaves so that the only employee left in the Double R Diner is Norma. And instead of serving the customers, she She's sits doing back paperwork. down. Like, no, no, no. These receipts won't do themselves, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. It's like this. All these deductions add up to seven. Heidi's yeah. <laughs> gone to Copenhagen or yeah. somewhere. Yeah. That's right. Actually, I was in, it was funny that um, that scene with Shelley gripping the hood of the car because so much in this episode felt like there were allusions to uh, genre tropes, horror tropes, and action agree. tropes. Yes. And that, that classic, you know, stunt person holding on the hood of the car. Absolutely, the yeah. car swerves around backwards. It, yeah, it yeah. felt... But I love that, you know, once Becky realised that her mother was on the hood of the car, she actually just manoeuvred the car to a grassy patch just to fling her mother off. <laughs> That's right. Red heels. So like considerate. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't she did, I don't reckon she did that on purpose. I reckon she was just blind with rage and just was not even thinking. No, I don't know. I disagree. I think she actually deliberately went to a grassy gave patch. Her, gave her a soft oh. landing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Popped the hood at that exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like uh, like every girl dreams about a knight in shining armour in the form of Carl Rod. Yeah. It's not too oh, far yes. away. Yeah. With, his, with, with his, his little... Whistle. With his little... Whistle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, first internet theory of the day. Uh, yes. Um, oh, so Carl calls the, the, the bus, the old combi van to, to yeah. be on the shagging wagon. Have you noticed the number plate of no. that bus? There's numbers that look like letters, yep. but uh, when you look at it as a whole, it looks very much like Zone Boys. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. I haven't seen that. So I right. check that out. Yeah. So well, Carl we'll find Squad of the Zone Boys. The Zone Boys. Maybe we'll finally boys. find Still a picture Hastings. and put that on the show notes. Yeah. Carl has gone to the zone, though. I was, he has. He's gone to... He's, he's gone to... He's, he's, he's played places. places. As a yeah. child, yeah. along with the log lady and yeah. one other guy. Oh, and right. Alan Traherne, When they were in the scouts, yeah. right? That yes. Was the, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That'd be disappointing the number play wasn't the one from the mystery machine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the tin whistle kind of reminds me of the Pied Piper, so, you know... Carl, I don't know whether that means for Carl and what sort of role he ends up playing, but I feel like he brings people along with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sort of felt more of like the Lone Ranger or somebody, you know, like whistling for their horse, weren't they? <laughs> 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 it's Galloping probably more out, like it, yeah, actually. Yeah. 
Sorry, no. d- now, now that I think about it, it kind of implies that there is a guy waiting there in the van. On call. Exactly. On call for Carl to drive 10 feet. <laughs> and no hood to be flung yeah. off. No, that's exactly right. Um, but then we cut to uh, the apartment building where Donna Hayward's little sister. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, we, mi- no, no we, missed, we missed something, a really big reveal. What's that? What's that? Shelley's surname. Shelly Briggs. Yes. Oh, right. yeah, right. This is the first time we know that she's a Briggs. Oh, right. Because yes. in previous episodes, we didn't know her surname. Yeah. And in the credits, she was just credited as Shelly. Yeah. Could have been James, you know. He's always been cool. Yeah. yeah you don't know who <laughs> the father was. I honestly, I think that's Lynch, like, sat, sending a message out to all the haters. <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Do you mean Shelly Briggs or Becky Briggs? Shelly Briggs. She's Becky Burnett. So it's Becky Burnett. Oh, yes, right, because she's yeah, made yeah. it. Well, we the, yes. the credits of every episode was always just Shelly. Yeah. And it was like, is she Shelly Johnson? Is she oh, Johnson? right. So she was just yeah, Shelly. Right. And this episode, she's Shelley in Briggs. both the credits and in the script, she's Shelly Briggs. So wow. Carl is the one who says, I've got Shelly Briggs on the yeah. here with me. Can you and then she's credited as... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of um, the credits, um, this is the reason why... I didn't used to do this to begin with, but now I do it religiously, is at the end of the episode, I read through the credits because there's stuff in there mm-hmm. that you can find out. Like, for instance, I missed, completely missed uh, Gersten Hayward. Yeah. Finally, yeah, you guys Wicks. are on the same train that I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Absolutely. right. <laughs> following the nerve play. Yeah. Um, that's, and that was an amazing little reveal because it was only a quarter of a second. Yeah. Um, and as you pointed out on our Twitter page during the week, Phil, she freaking well looks like Lara Flynn Boyle, like a 40-year-old a, a Gersten Hayward character and the actress yeah. Yeah. looks a lot like Donna Hayward. Donna Hayward. Oh, yeah, amazing. It's so it's so dumb because I do this all the time. Um, well, I, th- I think I did it one of the uh, previous podcast episodes. I said, "Isn't it great that uh, Laura Palmer's growing up just to look like a mum, Sarah Palmer?" And I'm realised <laughs> they're not related yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're acting. Not only are they not related, but also 25 years yeah. ago, who would who would know how how people are? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Quite, exactly right. I, well, Lynch is a visionary, clearly. Yeah. But <laughs> seriously, what the fuck happened to Kirsten Hayward? Yeah. She was this cute, precocious, talented little 12 year old, and she's still and in Twin Peaks. She's yeah. still no, in Twin Peaks. She she's still in Twin Peaks and she's skanked up with Stephen Burnett. Yeah. Like, really. Let's say just slut shame her just because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 she's got a lot of things to be ashamed of. Yes. The, the, that's the least of them. Bad taste um, in men. Yeah. Caleb Landry Jones, I mean, he's, he has a certain quirky physical charm. <laughs> oh. 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 He looks very strange, but I've, he's magnetic in every role I've seen him in. But um, did anyone notice, and there's probably nothing in it other than just sheer coincidence, but just for shits and giggles, um, when um, Becky opens up a can of whoop-ass on the, on the door of apartment 208, her necklace has a star and a crescent moon. Oh, oh I didn't notice that. No. What I noticed at that exact moment was that the soundtrack behind it was the from episode 8. Grenadine for, for the victims of Hiroshima. Yes, the ah. Bob um, mm. soundtrack. Right. So, so those two things are linked too now. Yeah. You know what I look, uh, really noticed about that? And I'm going to look Lynch in the eye and say, fuck you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. She looks right down the barrel of the camera. Fuck you, Stephen. Yeah. So, yeah, that one's for you, Lynch. Which is one of three possible titles for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yes. Look, I, when you may think about that and fuck you, so I just think about all the people saying, Lynch is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> we need more Lynch on yeah. our screens. Yes, we do. We do. We certainly do. Um, are we done with uh, Twin Peaks? Can we go to Buckhorn and The, the Zone? Oh, only yeah. before I just do a quick shout out to Maggie, the dispatch officer in the Twin Peaks yeah. department. So 
She's awesome. I mean, seriously, with the exception of Agent Tammy Preston, the women of law enforcement in this show are fabulous. Maybe, can you imagine, like, Maggie and Constance, like, get on the blower to each other? Oh, I would love it. Just talk shit about it. And then just talk, Chad did this. Oh, my God. That would just be a great spin-off web series. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just talking code. Oh, yeah, I had this 1017. You wouldn't believe it. There was a 187 and a thing. (laughs) That's right. Well, 1017 is a, um, in radio language, is help is on the way, so... Oh, is that what they? I didn't know that. Yeah, so you know, call for help, basically. A ten seventeen is a call for oh, help. Call for help, right? Which I think Hang was on. one of the episodes, help or is it on the way? which, which is what well, help is on the way. But you, right. that would come as a result of a call for help, right? Yeah. And I think one of the previous parts was called called call for help. Yes. Also, ah. also uh, a, a two five three is a. A doppelganger is getting thrown. We got a two five three in buckhorn. <laughs> yeah, it's always buckhorn. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas. It should be Dickhorn. Imagine yeah. if there was a place called Dickhorn, South Dakota. They probably is. Richard Horn is just in like North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of South Dakota, yeah, we go to the zone. Well, we go to what we think might be the zone. Mm. It's definitely the place where Hastings had that weird experience and he managed to cross over and see Major Briggs and all that stuff and there's definitely stuff going on there. Well, we've got at least one woodsman there. We've got a vortex into the sky. I thought a Donnie Darko jet engine was going to fall out of a plane. Uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. We get to see through to the convenience store with three woodsmen. They're never not creepy, those woodsmen, when they face. Oh, my God, when he's doubled over and creeping on tip And Diane just watches. And her allegiance is still unclear to me. Like, it's still not... Like, I know that there seems to be these big overtures of, oh, she's clearly working with Bad Cooper. But there is moments there where it just feels like she's her own agent in her own... There's this theory doing the rounds that every time Diane takes a puff from her cigarette, the woodsman appears. Right. Oh. So what we went, I went back, had a look at that, and I'm, I look. I don't think you can actually tell for sure, and I think maybe mm. some people are making it up. But it's really interesting that it's, when they first arrive at this site, which is just a couple of shipping containers and a couple of dilapidated dwellings, mm-hmm. um, Diane says, "This is as far as I go." And for someone who this is as far as she went, she certainly was very interested in the scenes yeah. that unfolded shortly thereafter. So, two questions about that place. Um, for me, one is: Is this the same spot we saw in episode eight with the um, that all the woodsmen came pouring out of? Because it looked like the same building to me as that old. Oh, oh that, okay. the one that was labelled convenience. Oh, store. the one that was a convenience store. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't. See Although that, I felt that, that should be in New Mexico, not South. Dakota. Yeah, that was. Uh, well, we, we don't know whether that was in New Mexico or not. No. I think we're probably just led to believe it because everything else happened in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other, the other question is when he sees through the portal when Cole sees the three woodsmen standing on the staircase is that is that the White Lodge and they have invaded the White Lodge or is he looking into the Black Lodge yeah I thought well so I think I saw and I could be making this shit up so tell me wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong um, a scrap of wallpaper yes along the staircase that's the same as the wallpaper in the painting that Mrs. Tremont gave to Laura in Firewalk with me. Yes, right. That's, that yes, that's there. Okay, um, good. I didn't so, make yeah. that up. Whew. So, um, can we just remind so, the listeners? Yeah, like, in the movie, for a little while. <laughs> so, in the movie, the, uh, Mrs. Tremont, the the grandmother of the creepy magician kid, yep. uh, Mini Mini Lynch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mini Lynch, gave Laura Palmer a painting that she hung in her bedroom, bedroom. Uh, and then during one of her is it a dream, is it a not? Middle of the night, she essentially entered that painting. The painting's got like a door slightly yep. ajar. Yes. Uh-huh. And then she, Laura Palmer walks through that door and that was where she had her red room experiences where she yeah, saw yeah, that's right. 
uh, Dale Cooper saying, don't take the ring, mm. Laura. Right. Um, so a lot of the crazy Black Lodge or Red Room stuff that happened to Laura Palmer, that painting and, and so the room that had that exact same wallpaper uh, was the portal that right. lined out there. So... Which 25 suggest- years later, Lynch has used, and you can barely see it, like you've got to freeze yeah, the frame and look between the two figures' uh, legs yeah. to see just a little scrap, but it is the exact same wallpaper. Yeah. You're exactly right now, which is an amazing little detail. I know, and, and really freaky. My God, how scary are those guys? Yeah, like, I I've, I've had nightmares all week. Yeah. Do When the question mark, question mark, question mark giant at the start said, they're in our house now. Yeah. That's that, why do you I reckon thought, that's what he's referring well, to? That the woodsmen are in the White Lodge now? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I feel that that has been a strong theme of this story from the beginning. Like, from the beginning. Yeah. And that's why you get those kind of weird black and white scenes in that first episode between the question mark man and, and Cooper. Mm. That he, you know, he can only kind of temporarily bring him over because it's dangerous now in the White Lodge. Mm. Um, oh, that's interesting. I did see a theory as well that... Um, in episode eight, in particular, um, that crazy, awesome little episode, <laughs> <laughs> that little intermission. Change TV for Oh, my God, it's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> um, but every time you did see, if you assumed that the giant and senorita draw cup um, yep. <laughs> were in the White Lodge at that stage, there was music throughout that. There was, And yeah. then if you go back into episode one where he says, they're in our house now, he says, listen to the sounds. And ah. there's no music. It's, it's like right? creepy. Yeah. It's so sort of crackly. The creepy. Actually, I felt. You know what? I, I, humming. It was a humming. Well, I heard someone describe it as insect scratching, and actually, that does sit well with me. Yeah. That it's. Yeah, yeah. Or someone else apparently Cock slowed frog that. scratching its back legs together. <laughs> actually, someone else said that if you apparently, and I don't. This is speculation, but apparently, somebody slowed that sound down, and it sounded like the, uh, the arm of a yes, slot machine. Slot machine. Yeah. yeah, I had. Yeah. We had uh, we heard that theory as well. Yeah. Can we, um, because no episode would be complete without a Tammy Preston bashing. Can we just talk about her? Look, I'm, I'm going to say, I've been, I've been like at the forefront of the Tammy Preston yeah. bashes uh, fan club, um, but I didn't hate how she acted in that scene. They asked her to cover them. She stood okay. there. Like, maybe her gun technique isn't awesome, but she... <laughs> I no, no, hang on a second. Let's, let's, let's take a step back. I'm First here. of all... She asks Hastings, how did he get into the site? And Hastings says, through the hole in the gate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if she did say that. He did. He totally No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and then secondly, when Cole says to cover them, she's got a bat to them. Like, what school yeah, of FBI training did she go to? She's covering them from, like, everything on that direction. Yeah, but the charcoal man is behind her. Well, she hasn't seen that. She hasn't seen the bad guys. No, she hasn't seen a lot. She, she's ready for all the other bad guys. Although I, I, do, say... I do feel like they're keeping her one step... I wonder whether Cole's actually keeping her one step behind. Yeah. Um, for some I'm, I'm Later, she served coffee and donuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. So well, that's sometimes her punishment she's... for missing the, fi- the, uh, yeah. the fingerprint. Right. Yeah. I'm coming around to Tempest in a weird way. Like, I think that... I read an interview with with the actor and she was talking about we, we still didn't sit with the version of Tammy that I knew from uh, The Secret Ooh. History yeah. um, that you know she's a big fan of the female form and the, the hip sway mm. thing was like her contribution and it felt weird but it doesn't necessarily feel any weirder to any of the other like every one of these agents has their own eccentricities whether it's you know um, Albert's complete 
uh, misanthropy and, <laughs> and weird kind of uh, Gandhi <laughs> like, pacifism that somehow goes together. Or um, Cole's hearing aid, like she does have this bizarre presentation, but I don't think that necessarily is what's going on inside her head. So I, I'm slowly coming around to this is just her, her like weird hip sway and um, funny walk and head bobbing. And it's always at a weird angle as if she's, um, you know, like a, uh, about to peck someone's eyes out uh, is just a personality quirk. And you call it a quirk, so, I call it an affectation. Yeah. yeah. So I, did, I, did, I didn't hate her as much in this episode as I have in the past, but I haven't yet come around to your view enough that I would yet acknowledge that there is anything going on in her head. <laughs> um, no, I think she could do with a crash course in self-awareness. I do think it's all those yikes. Then again, you, you, guys do, are the you worst. Do, Then again, you just like you want to do the to her through like the, the hole in the wall. This is the same scene where Gordon Cole's like, he's dead. <laughs> I do with half a brain. <laughs> I don't get me wrong, I agree with you on that point. Yeah. I, I just maybe I mean my understanding is that this is her first step up to the big leagues and she's it's, still maybe, yeah. You know, learning the ropes. So yeah. Give the kid a chance. Yeah, that's right. Um, she's an amazing singer. If she'd come and she sang at the Roadhouse and that's all she had done, I would be delighted. But actually, she does an amazing um, cover of Julie Cruz's Falling, which we should put on the show notes. Oh, does she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things about this uh, about this scene. Uh, it's It takes place at 2240 Sycamore. Yes, yep. yes it so does. The, the address is Sycamore, uh, which, of course, the trees... Um, in the Sycamore Trees is where the Black Lodge uh, is in Twin Peaks. Yep. And it's not even the first time we've seen Sycamore as a road sign. We saw a Sycamore in Las Vegas as well. It's on the way to Dougie's house. That's yeah. right. On the yep. way to the Red Door. Yep. So And 2240, if you add up the numbers, that's up to eight, which is which like, is, you know, you divide that by eight, you get one. Take away that from eight, you get seven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so true. Yeah. Well, it's the perfect number, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. Well, it's a which is why cube of, yeah. yeah. No, no, which is why it's a, um, a, a good fortune number to many Eastern Perfect for what? It's perfect for a good fortune. Oh, right. Okay. It's okay. a right. fortuitous number. Oh, right. Right. Are we ready to move to? Are we ready to move to back to Twin Peaks to the Double oh, R no, Diner? We haven't talked about uh, Ruth Devonport. Oh, my oh God. yeah, oh, well, oh, no, really? So to talk about. So, look, can we maybe just talk about what the interaction between Albert and Cole mm-hmm. in this? Because as they go into the site, Albert says, "Is it other Cole says, do we think there's another? Do you think there's one in there?" Yeah. And at that point, I think we've just seen the first glimpse of Charcoal Man. Yeah. I got What's the in? impression that... Oh, so Cole saw that. I wasn't sure yeah. if Albert did or, or not. No, they did because he I said... Think, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you see that? And you see oh, that's yes. right. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So, <laughs> Good deductive work for me. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that? Yes. You know what, Dave? I think they actually saw that. Yeah. Maybe they should give Tammy Preston's badge to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're also known as the award for... <laughs> <laughs> but then they're also... Um, uh, look, when Cole and well, when Cole sort of has his experience with the with the vortex or the portal, Albert says, "I, I guess we f- found out." So I guess when they ask, you know, do you think there's one in there? They're talking about whether there's a portal or you know, right space, as opposed to did you see the yeah 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 uh, yeah. At first, at first I thought they were talking about do you think there's one in there? Do you think there's a there's a charcoal man? Do you think there's a woodsman in there? But no, yeah. it's, I think they're, they're saying, is there a portal in there? And yeah. can anyone uh, remind me? I can't remember how uh, Bill Hastings said that they found those coordinates. Does anyone recall from Tammy Preston's incisive interrogation of him last I'm year? just trying to think. I think... Didn't you get them from Briggs? 
No, because that's... No, 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 no. No, that's how I found breed. I just think that just whatever... um, Sorry, not just the coordinates. How did they find that place? How did they find that as the... Well, they'd been researching it for years. I don't think he would... I don't remember him being explicit about where they got that specific piece of information. Well, and maybe this... Maybe, maybe, that's actually a very good question. Maybe, maybe re- it may be answered by, is it Heinrich Weigel or someone who was their collaborator yeah, that yeah. we have yet to see? Brian Weigel. Um, Eddie Vedder. Starts with V. Weigel <laughs> Vedder. It's possible, actually. We, we had a little bit of theorising about Eddie Vedder this week and what role he'd play. That's mm. one possibility. Yeah. What did you say? You said, or somebody said Philip Jeffries. I thought maybe Philip Jeffries, but that's because I was thinking, you uh, We've got one dead pop star, so maybe we could replace him with another. With a live, with a live one. one. Yeah. No, maybe. he could replace Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> do a southern accent and then maybe just throw He could probably do a better one than Dan. Southern star accent man. by way of East London. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a star man. <laughs> um, but Diane is also, she's watching all of this. For someone who, as I said, was only going to go so far, she's very interested do you think she said? Well, at this point in time, we don't know if she sees the charcoal ma- the woodsman. We think she does, but well, she's uh, okay. sorry, Diane. She's you see her squint as he moves towards the car. So, so I'm pretty sure she does. But then later, that. when she's trying to recall it, she says, "I don't know if I did see something or I didn't." Well, say I don't that. know whether she's covering up oh, at that right. point in time. Okay, Maybe I was, she I was weighing up in my head whether to bring this up when later in the bring in, it up in now. the podcast cool. when we talk about. When she reveals that she saw someone getting out of the car. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to do it now. So do it. Okay, yep. fuck it. Strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Theory. We do see... So we the first time we see the woodsman, we see Cole and Albert see him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he sort of does a half appearance and then he disappears, he fades out mm. from the view. They acknowledge that they said uh, A few minutes later, Diane sees him as well. Yep. That shot in which she sees the woodsman is the reversed shot of previous. In, in other words, uh, in Albert and Cole's viewpoint, there is uh, the trailer and to the uh, left of the trailer, uh, you've got the big blue it's trailer. The shipping is container. The, sorry, to the, the, you've got the shipping container. To the left I of the shipping container yeah. is the, a cabin. Yeah, right. And you see the woodsman between them. Uh, and when you saw a wide shot, there are no other cabins. There's just yeah. the cabin, then yep. the shipping container, and then nothing. When Diane sees the woodsman, the cabin is on the right of yes. the shipping container, and it is an exact mirror image. It is the exact same one. There's a little hole at the base of it. The windows are in the same place. She's seeing it reversed. Wow. Right. Now, now, given we've already had the, it's era of good to see you, my old mm. friend. Yeah. Um, does this imply that Diane is either wittingly or unwittingly um, a lodge inhabitant or, or some doppelganger, some effect? There is some lodge shit happening with Diane, particularly when you add it to what she says later in the episode, which is... I saw a woodsman get out of the car. And when we see it happen, yeah. we see He's him getting get in. in the car, right? So yeah. that's two different uh, incidences of her seeing it happen either backwards or reversed. Wow. Yeah. Right. I don't know what to make of that, but it does... Well, it, like, I wonder... Sorry, so I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I wonder whether it's a transient kind of thing because if you follow that line through, I still can't reconcile... Diane's initial reaction to seeing Bad Coop in prison 
with some of her behaviour post that. That's the, th- that's the thing that doesn't gel for me. Like, all of the theories about, are oh, Diane's either running her own operation, which I can kind of get on board, or is somehow in cahoots with Bad Coop, that doesn't explain their first interaction her first interaction with Bad Coop and her complete unwillingness to go and see Bad Coop. It, yeah. It does All of these little bits in terms of... Sorry, I was going to say, I'm just thinking about, you know, the way they portrayed Leland as um, kind of vacillating between bits of his awareness being blocked out and um, being, Bob kind of... Is Bob in control or um, feeding off existing uh, flaws or, you know, flaws a very mild word, but in, in Leland's character. Um, and maybe something similar is going on here where she doesn't need to be consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, mm. I, I, I agree with everything you guys have said, but the, 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 the difference between her and Leland is that from the text message she sent where he's taken to the site, she's clearly got an agenda. And we don't know what that agenda yeah. is. We don't know yeah. whether it's helpful to harm... Um, the we've we've now got this lodge theory there's so you're exactly right it's it's the sort of thing where we can't we're, we're just going to have to see where yeah. it goes and then rewatch all the episodes just go yeah. okay now it makes sense yeah, and we also don't right. know who she but sent that text message to no, right no. so i think you're led to believe that it's yeah. gone back to bad coop but we don't mm. actually know yeah, yeah. so if she is an agent of someone mm. it may not necessarily be bad it could coop. be food. but i mean yeah to to harp on the the little theory that I brought up a few minutes ago, just think about how deliberate that was from Lynch to reverse a shot. Like to yeah. to actually the given that oh, so there's meaning there, we just don't know what it's not I've got to say though, it's not the first time my only defence is that uh if you're editing a film together, you only can edit with what you've got. Same as with this podcast, I can only edit with what I've got. So I might have to give reuse materials. <laughs> I feel like there was a... telling us, flip your game, kids. Yeah, no, also no. known as you can't polish a turn. No, that's right. No, no, I but guess you what can I'm... roll it in glitter. Yeah, yes. right. um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, if I... If, uh... Again, it just goes back to consistency. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that is great. Um, so, yeah, so if that line didn't get a big laugh, I could reuse a laugh that I'd used before and, you know, play it backwards or do whatever and reuse it. Um, this is not the first time we've seen a reverse shot. So there's a shot where we see the external um, shot of uh, the aeroplane flying through the air, like the private FBI jet. The second time we see that, it's a reverse shot. Uh, and it's, it's not even masked the fact that it's reversed. The, the, the letters and numbers on the tail uh, are actually reversed. So all he's done is... On the cheap, on the sly, rather than um, use more stock footage or shoot another shot of a Learjet, he's just said, ah, I've already got one of those shots. Can I just reverse it and stick it in there? So uh, not saying that the theory is invalid. It could just be that, oh, dude, I need another shot of the woodsman. Oh, we haven't got another shot. Hang on, can I just use that other shot and I'll just switch it around and no one will notice? Except that I think that that shot of the woodsman was, again, him doing nothing other than, like, being there and then sort of half disappearing. So they could have either they didn't need to use it again yeah. uh, or they could have used the exact same one because she's seeing the exact same thing. And I, also find it it difficult, I also find it difficult to believe that just even with all his, you know, 
budget filmmaking now so that he didn't take more than one shot. Yeah, of that's a, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel true. like I feel like in this instance it's a deliberate he's choice. He's telling yeah. you there's a message. But you know, given how much it costs, <laughs> given that Lynch's budget for Learjets is clearly smaller than the FBI's, <laughs> um, he I can understand why he would have refused yeah. a shot for pragmatic reasons in that instance. Yes. Stock footage of travelling versus Black Lodge residents. Yeah. Yeah. Cares more about the latter. Than but before we move on, I must give an absolute shout out to Matthew Lillo. What a great performance! So great. It's this incredible subtlety in just his reaction. Where you know, and I, his I completely role believed he only half a horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> method. method. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The he internet had to like... has gone into just meltdown because everyone realised. He's never gonna go scuba diving. <laughs> oh god, dude, where's my head? <laughs> oh my god. I, but we we go back to Twin Peaks again, which is nice actually. I think the last couple of parts we've actually had quite a lot of tin, Twin Peaks, so finally it's doing what it says on the tin and really kicking along. Just how much we love Bobby Briggs now. Oh, yeah, my mm. favourite. He's the amazing, and you know, it's that there's there's hope in him which we haven't seen in any in almost any of the other characters that sense of redemption and yeah um, and progress you know yeah. Like, and, yeah and this scene also develops that, that there's there's hope but there's still tragedy it hasn't yeah. worked out for him with Shelley but the way that he you can see he still loves her and she runs out to red which I'm sure we'll get to in a few minutes but that was just such a beautiful little moment yeah. like oh this oh. guy He's sorted himself out, but there's still a little bit of tragedy. He just looked wounded, didn't he? Like, oh, it just broke my heart. But, Mm. um, yeah, I I just think that um, I'm really pleased that Bobby has been written in such a way that he has grown. um, Yeah. And and maybe, you know, the the scenes that Major Briggs and Bobby had in the earlier seasons, it's all just incidental and there was never an end game like this in... Inside, but I don't agree actually. I because I remember that moment when he, you know, when uh Briggs is telling Bobby about his dream and and Bobby starts crying, that was the first time I felt like this about Bobby. Oh, no, I agree, so, but I guess what I'm saying is that it's so great that they've had the ability to actually see that through to some yeah. point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but I, I what I am not quite clear in this scene is whether Becky is Bobby's daughter. Oh, I thought right. she was. Well, well he says, she, she calls him dad, but... And they said, we're your parents. Yeah, but I don't, I don't you know. You mean biologically? Do, yeah, biologically. The only reason why I say that is because it seems like it was a really big deal for Bobby to loan Becky money. Like, Shelley's obviously very, been yeah. very generous with her money and sort of has been sort of propping up this sort of this person. That, to me, fits with his character. Like, in terms of, uh, you think about the sort of person that, that Major Briggs was and the kind of dad he would have had who was very yeah. big on mm. personal responsibility. Tough yeah. love. He was yeah. a guy who once slapped a cigarette out of the kid's yeah. mouth right. and let him <laughs> mashed potato. He wasn't saying, true. He wasn't saying, I'm not going to help you. He was saying, I'm going to help you, but you have to take responsibility I, for this. Yeah, I know. I'm... The, the Ayn Rand. Uh, That's right. Although yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do <laughs> think when he goes, you want a divorce? It sounds like so, like, so judgmental. <laughs> like everything that he's seen, it's like, you want to, you want to, you want to destroy this perfect marriage? <laughs> like, there's no coming back from being beaten know. up maybe on the couch. Maybe there's this part and... of me thinks that maybe just this girl is so bad because she's actually the offspring of, um, well, it's it's Leo. a it is a thing. Like, oh. There is this kind of real sins of the father stuff that goes on throughout this series, mm. where goodness and badness often mm. feels in you know 
uh, what's the word I want? Not endemic. Endemic? No. Inher- uh, like inherited from inherited. something inherited. else. Yeah, yeah. And Bobby is like the, I mean, he actually has inherited a lot of goodness, I guess. And, yeah. and you know, and come out of that muck. I, like, mean, I don't think that Becky is a complete victim in this. I think she's bad. The moment we're seeing her being played as a, as a victim, but I still keep going back to that scene from a couple of episodes ago where Stephen says to her, I know what you did, and I'm still trying to work out what the hell did she actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and maybe that sort of ties in with, like, I mean, I don't think this girl is all just, you know, Shelley's helplessness and bad choices and all the rest of it. I think she may not necessarily be a good girl. I love, it totally rang true for me, the, the Becky moment, um, the, the way that kids don't really acknowledge that their parents are actually people, uh, that it takes until like just about to the end of the intervention before uh, Becky actually says, oh yeah, and sorry mum for like running you over with the car, like, yeah. uh, like that, it never actually occurred to her what the... the but I'm you know what saying. happens immediately before it occurs to her? Norma nods at her mm-hmm. knowingly. That so all she's these people that are saying Norma, just you're just not doing anything. She's she's creating the connections with that nod. Oh, right. oh Mum, I injured yeah. you. Thanks, Norma. You've done something. So maybe say, Norma does paperwork by day, and at night she actually works the counter. My, that's right. My kids are a little bit older than yours, Phil. Yeah. So the point where they do apologise for throwing off the hood of the car yeah, is right. amazing. Oh yeah, I can only <laughs> imagine. Yeah, I'm waiting for that moment. <laughs> um, red. We should do it red. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say though, with Bobby, um, I really had my doubts when we first met him. Like the the moment where he's there in the sheriff's costume with a great character choice, great plotting choice. But then when he like is holding back the tears, looking at the the photo of Laura, mm. I just thought this is so hammy. And mm. there's so much subtlety in his performance in yeah. this season, where you just see you see stuff crossing his face or in the back of his mind, but not coming out. And this mm. is the the Bobby I prefer. Yeah, yes. Dan Rushbrook's smashing it. And yeah. I, I feel like that uh, emotion in that earlier scene, it was just the classic David Lynch, like in the same way that Leland Palmer cried for six episodes straight and yeah. Sarah Palmer just <laughs> screamed hysterically. That was just, he loves yeah. the times where you bring the emotion up to 12. Yeah, but also the other thing is, you know, the first two seasons of Twin Peaks, probably the first season in particular, people talked about all the various television tropes that, that Lynch sort of channeled and in the sort of first few episodes of this season three we weren't quite sure because it's you know television had moved on but I do feel like he's gone back to channeling some of those familiar tropes whether mm. it's the crime procedure or the soap opera or the family drama or yeah. whatever yeah. so I, I feel that that sort of Bobby's response yeah. in that particular scene is something not dissimilar to what you would see in a daytime soap yeah totally yeah and, and wanting wanting her back. Exactly. And, goes, and yeah, you yeah. know, the sort of but soaring also, music and, you know. But fun. dealing with it in a sort of slow, silent acceptance, which I really loved. Yes. So drinking his coffee and just goes, well, this is reality now. Yeah. 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 And I'm the good boy, not the bad and boy. Becky did a nice <laughs> job <laughs> with that too. Like you saw, you saw that cross her face where yeah. she knows that yeah. mum's hurting dad. And yeah, I thought that um, was exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. closer to mum, but I'd really wish they could get it together like yeah because she really cares for him too so that was a nice moment yeah um but meanwhile shelly stopped dating fucking <laughs> assholes oh, i know yeah. wow yeah. she liked bobby when he was a little asshole oh, yeah. like when he, uh, she and liked, she was mad for a bit of leo johnson mad for a bit of leo johnson dealers it's she's got a yeah. type you know yeah, yeah. we all yeah. have types God. so i am it will be interesting to see whether she knows whether red is what he is uh, i've got to say i want more of red i feel like 
Yeah, go on. It's too much in the background at the moment. I, yeah. That scene with the coin was amazing. And uh, and I don't, like, I love the subtlety. I love, but the, we've only got 18 episodes. Yeah, that's I right. We're running out of time. <laughs> yeah. right. We've got a whole lot of I shit. I want Red, I want Cooper come back. Meanwhile, yeah. I mean, even all the Richard Horn thing? stuff, like, there's so much time being spent, like, with Miriam and everything else on something that is not at all linked to the Lodge. Like, he ran over a child, and yes, that child's spirit went up to the White Lodge. Um, but there's, there's, they're spending time on Richard Horn and Red and all these little pieces that, um, in six hours, like yeah. they've got a lot. Seven hours, they've got a lot of things to they tie up. They do, and I wonder whether a relevant question to this is Shelley's reaction to Red. I mean, not saying the fact that she is giddy with delight with this new love or new whatever it is that Red is to her, still seems a little bit unnatural. And I don't think that I think it's a deliberate thing. I think, and I, okay. I just wonder whether there is an element of red as a this is not the right word, but as a magician or a caster of spells because she is absolutely spellbound. Feels, feels yeah. like the right that word. That sounds exactly yeah. like the right <laughs> word. He does, he does a coin trick and yeah. flips yeah. a coin up in the air. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, she sort of is very real in this family drama setting, and then she yeah. sees red through a window and sort of skips out, completely forgetting what's just happened. Well, the magic in, in Twin Peaks always does seem to come back to um, people's existing susceptibility. Mm. Like how, yeah, I, like I said earlier, how flawed they are. Yeah. You know, how, how, how and if Shelley was already the sort of person who um, would leave Leo Johnson for Bobby Briggs as he was, yeah. you know, and, and not saying that she shouldn't leave Leo Johnson, but there's that kind of string of bad pun choices. You mean choices. even after getting whacked with soap in a sock, you should still stay? No, that's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> right, right, right. But the, but this but this like string of like yeah. you know and and when, when Bobby's wanting to keep Leo in the house for the money, yeah. like, um, there's something about her that that is already not to say that that the magic is causing her to be like this, but it might be playing on her pre-existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it brings out, I guess, things yeah. that are already there. But yeah, so I mean, and Norma, meanwhile, it looks very unimpressed. Yeah, no, which yeah. seems to be like her main facial expression now. Yeah, <laughs> like <I know>. just... <laughs> um, oh, by the way, can we just talk about what? Why is Red running? Like, where's he running to? Like, yeah. oh, like I love that. Let's stop by for a kiss and then zoom down the street. Yeah. Like, go cast spells somewhere yeah, else. That's right. Yeah. Levitate some dimes. Yeah, we we hear a shot fired into the to, to the double R diner. My first thought is, oh, Red, he's running because he's got to go and get his gun or he's doing something like that. But um, no, it's some kid playing with a gun in a car, in a van. Characters we've never seen before. This completely random thing. So there's the, that's the first random thing that happens. Is it random, though? Because well, this is where... I don't remember yeah, I'm not entirely today. sure it's random. This is the start of, for me, really feeling that very strong awareness of this is a town that's sick, not just... Yeah. Individual. It's not just people with it. Like the entire town is yeah. broken. Yeah, the entire which, town is a vomiting kid which, in the back well, of the yeah, car. Oh, zombie-like yeah. vomiting kid. Back in the, the original series, they say there's a lot of goodness here, but there's a price to pay for that, and there's an yeah, and there's a darkness. There's yeah. a darkness, mm-hmm. and so that's on the the metaphysical level. But meanwhile, in a very real economic sense, you can imagine if Twin Peaks is a logging town, yeah. then over the last. 25 the years, gone, right? the mill's gone. Yep. Uh, just like so Everyone's many towns in America. Everyone's living in trailers. So many towns in America, there is a real uh, economic malaise there. Yeah. And that's going to have an effect on the people in it. It's going to have an effect on the kids and why they're all 
smashed out on ice. Yeah, well, the, really ki- the, kids, the kids were always bad in Twin Peaks. Oh, zebras good looking. Now they were good looking and they were just taking coke. In a sign that you know Twin Peaks was once a more affluent town, they were taking coke. And now that it's a poorer town, they're taking sparkler ice, whatever the hell it is. But it's also, you know, part of Lynch's big project like it, it feels very much like Blue Velvet and you know that, that kind of that opening scene of Blue Velvet with the the grass and the was it the opening scene it's been a while since I've seen it but the, the grass and the, the daisies is feeling that mm. there is something under the earth yeah. uh, behind yeah. the white picket fences mm. and everyone has these secrets whereas now it does feel more macro like it feels like it's not just about uh, it's not just about repressing things in order to prosper but that there is something that's infected the grassroots level of nu- nuclear waste yeah yeah, yeah. And the fact that Lynch did that within a scene that is so classic, Lynch and classic Twin Peaks of uh, the the gunshot and that meh, meh, oh, that's God. just so annoying. But then you see the character, what's wrong? I've got to get to and her the, uncle. Like, she's sick. She's that, sick. And she's sick. And then, ah, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah. It was hilarious. And it was distressing, <laughs> and it was freaky all at once. And while just, Bobby's just staring at it going, yeah. uh, I, don't, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just went to the car dealership. <laughs> I don't, I don't know the noise. code for this. Is it 1017? I've no idea. Yeah. But doesn't that intense noise and that sort of the violence of that screaming sort of also take you back to that scene with Leland and Laura in Firewalk with me when they're at um, the traffic lights at Sparkled in 21. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, oh, God, the, I've written down here, um, that's only the second most annoying, annoying horn in the whole of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right between Dick and Buck. Yeah. Oh, dear, all week. Um, what... Oh, this uh, this actually just took me right out of Twin Peaks. Is the zombie girl that that does not makes any sense at all? It doesn't it doesn't relate to any law that we've seen before. It doesn't relate. Where where does this come from? This is uh, to not- me. It was like Shelley on the hood of the car. It was um, it was genre tropes. Yeah, you, you know. A zombie trope. Yeah, Twin Peaks is about to become a zombie town. I know, like, it was no, a, short, a crossover with a walking I know, well, yeah, well, short of, a, like, a Wookiee turning up or a dragon or something, like, I'm thinking, like, now we're mixing our mythologies. Like, what, what the hell's going on here? But it had that, for me, it was just part of that, like, infectious horror um, genre that kind of puts you in that, like a dream. It's like little bits and pieces in a, in a seamless patchwork, which yeah. is a... Total tautology. Yeah. Not tautology, <laughs> what's the word? Oxymoron? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> a seamless patchwork, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, that, that you're giving all these little impressions of mm. horror and uh, car chase, and you know all these little. There's, a, there's there. a dream logic at work that that becomes part of the bigger story. Mm. Yeah, but the, most of the we've have seen that when it isn't actually a dream, or we're actually yeah. in another realm, or something like that. So I uh, I didn't get her reaction. Like we've all had sick kids, and it, your reaction when you've got a sick kid in the car is not. Because ah, 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 ah. no, that would was... number one, it would freak everybody out. It was mostly would be. It's all right, sweetheart. Just lean forward. It's going to be all right. All right just quickly, hang on a second. Just no, out the window. Just, uh, not but on the floor. Time, but maybe in, within inside you, you actually are going. Ah, yeah. ah, well, ah, maybe like maybe the, the first time, but look, dude, <laughs> I've had more poo and spew moments than I can plug a stick at. So it's all, it doesn't mean me anymore. I feel like the dream logic is infecting the real world at this point in the story. Like, oh, it's right. It's all bleeding through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though I. Th- if, if I had to guess, I think there's we're not going to see those characters again. If maybe there is some link to the law, and if so, then the what she said is going to be quite relevant because she said her uncle is joining us. She hasn't seen him in a very long while, and then I think something like we've got many miles to go. Yeah, right. yeah. In the same way that 
in hindsight, we attach a lot of meaning to Carl Rod saying, I've been places. Mm. Um, yeah. We've got many miles to go. Could be a oh, thing. And yeah. it could also just be that, you know, like Phyllis Hastings with the Morgans coming for dinner, like this woman is really stressed out that she's got dinner guests and yeah. she just can't be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing I love about that scene was that moment of... Uh, the little kid with the, the little... I, I wrote down uh, sassy ass. Just sassy asshole. He's got the yeah. hand on the on the hip and just like staring at Bobby. He knows he exactly what he did with that gun. Exactly. But then he looks over at the dad and the dad is like just exactly an same. asshole as well. Yeah. And the fact that that has happened just a few moments after... Becky making Shelley's mistakes and Shelley making her own mistakes. Yep. I just that think circular to Dad's point, the sins of the father, yep. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a real circular nature of all of this stuff. Mm. Um, and perhaps that is brought out more in a place yeah. like Twin Peaks. Yeah, like bad shit's going down in this town. I think yeah. that's... Yeah. Like, if, if you had any doubt... Yep. Yep. This episode has really consolidated. It was dispelled at the moment of ah! <laughs> <laughs> and as we, exactly. And as we go to the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, we know that it's going to be the day after tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the other bit about it that made me feel like a dream was when uh, the the other sheriff, I can't think of his name right now, comes in and Holcomb. says, Jesse? Jesse, Jesse yes. I was, I was over at Big Ed's gas place and yeah. I heard shots. So like, And he's, he's already there. Like, there's this kind of weird feeling of you can imagine a dream getting these bits of information that feel kind of staged. Yeah. 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 And I think his new car is going to... Anyway, we'll wait in a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. So we're, we're in the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department and we've got Truman and Hawk. Are talk, they're looking up coordinates and they're looking at the, at the map. We've got the new and the old. Um, we've got... As I like to I call like, it, from Google Maps to Doodle Maps. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Title. Um, I love that Hawk is now back into that role of wise and cool and full of skills rather than... The straight man to Lucy and Andy being dumb. And yeah. actually, the actor that plays Hawk, Michael Horse, also has skills. He actually painted that map himself. Did he really? He did. I thought it was a living map. Wish it, yeah. it, it, it was, it was, uh, it's it's uh, very old, no. but always current. His, That's right. Yeah. His corn could have been a little bit uh, more more accurately drawn, but you know, it was fine. <laughs> fine yeah. Michael Horse. It's representational. I mean, yes. Maybe we'll find um, Michael like Horse's real horse. Insta, Instagram post and yeah. put a link to it. I really love actually the way that he has been so central to the story yeah. in this season. Like he was always, he's always one of the characters that really sticks with you in that original season, yeah. but yeah. was always in a supporting kind of like a tonto, almost racist kind yeah, of role. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, not as racist as maybe as, as Johnny Horn's uh, headdress, but that was kind of that felt symbolic. But mate, you don't know what Johnny's background is. That's true. That is true. He could be one eighth charity. That's exactly yeah, that's right. true. Well, it, well exactly. yeah, or pincenet. Pincenets? No, uh, not pincenets. That's fine. <laughs> 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 Nespius. Nespius. Um But yes, that map. Like, there's so many things to deconstruct from that. Like the the fact that the they show the fire, and yep. that fire means electricity, which then... Modern-day electricity, modern electricity, as opposed to your yoldy electricity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the, the Native Americans rubbing their feet on the carpet. <laughs> this ain't your Ben Franklin electricity, this is the real yeah, modern yeah, stuff. Exactly. But, um, and whether that's bad or good depends on the intent behind it, yeah, which is interesting. And, uh, of course, it gives new meaning. If we need any new meanings to fire, walk with me. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so when electricity is what conducts is how the magician cuts out between two worlds yep. uh-huh. it is by walking with fire or walking with modern day electricity yeah, that's right yep. um I, I, what i couldn't quite work out from the map is how it was the stars when you look at them would give you the date 
that was on um, Briggs's uh, little Obviously, scroll. you're not one-eighth pissness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pince <now. laughs> <laughs> Um No, I got that. I, I, uh, that made sense to me in terms of like using constellations to give you, uh, you know, time of year. Or yeah, okay. The stars are right, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of buy that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that the the corn, which normally would represent fertility and fecundity, is now diseased and unnatural. Yeah. So yeah. that we've got this diseased um, mirror version of corn, which doesn't it doesn't bring bring life; it takes life away. We yeah. can totally understand then why when uh, Dougie spew, had his spew in the uh, in the house, it was full of black. His gum version was, was full yeah. of black. Oh, yeah, right. And, and bad coat right. spew was full of black shit. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Um, it's very diseased corn on that plate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love. That. Look, I tell you what. I know that we we love that uh, Hawk is at the centre of yeah, things, but he's, come on, man, just cough up the information. So yeah. Yeah. he points to that. Cough little, it up like some black corn. I know exactly. So he's pointing to the little um, the symbol that we've come to describe as mother, or the, the symbol that was on the card that Cooper had. Yeah, and he's pointing I'm to the, the, little, it space the blob with the space hopper. It does look like a space hopper, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, and just ask a really simple question. Truman asked a really simple question. All right, so what does that mean? Oh, you don't want to know about yeah. that. Uh, yes, we do want yeah. to know about that. That's pretty much all we want uh, to know, mate. Yeah. This way, at, totally... at the day after tomorrow, we're walking to a place that has that symbol written over it. Yeah. I think we want to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, yeah. And then he totally blanks Margaret Landman, who has been with him all this do time. You know and, well, because she asks him, what is it that he, fa- he found? Oh, you and still he says, I can't tell yeah, you that. you still got to maintain like police procedure a bit, surely. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was. I thought I could believe that. Like, no. yes, yeah, it's, it's harsh, but it's understandable. No, I absolutely. I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. There's a special relationship between these two. Mm. Well, I'm afraid. But by that the you, way, you swear by, an oath to. By the way, him. Margaret was the one who tipped him off that there was something about his heritage that would lead him to the. Oh yeah, well, but, yeah. which you know, we need to come back but to. If, if someone gives you the case. information that you need to crack the case, it doesn't mean that you can bust bust up confidentiality or anything like that. Well, right? Since when has Hawk been all about rules and procedures? It's <laughs> Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, man. Yeah, I love the way she said there's something about your, your heritage that will be useful when anyway, looking in the toilet as opposed to this map. <laughs> 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 uh, exactly. Maybe the map as a living map, then just saying, look in the toilet. <laughs> right. we just, they just cut that bit out for time. <laughs> I, I look, talking about um, being harsh... Uh, I've, I've written down every t- single time we see Margaret, I think, oh, okay, this must be the last a scene we ever get to see her. And she just keeps coming back and back and back. She'll be in episode, she'll be in episode 18 by the I end of totally it. I hope so. Because I think she is the unsung hero of this entire season. No, and, yeah. And great if, it, if they do keep the new Twin Peaks going for five series and in series five, they've still got... Like, still just, got footage of her. David, David Lynch, like, just did yeah, three yeah. days of pure of non-stop filming and he's going to stretch it out for yeah. years. I do actually wonder with that whole, like, him with with him saying to Margaret Lamar, I can't tell you right now, just paying her back for every obscure comment yeah. she's made. Yeah. <laughs> when right. she's decided she has to That's encode right. information. That's in right. Like, what, what did you find, Hawk? Well, why don't you ask your log? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Those comments were not obscure. They just weren't ready to hear them. Yeah. Wow. Um, but anyway, so, so in all of this uh, deep and meaningful stuff, um, Officer Jesse knocks on the door and asks Frank if he's interested in seeing his his new car. Classic. Mm. It's covered in it's covered in vomit. <laughs> Frank. Frank. Actually, I bought it from a guy in South Dakota. There's some brains in the back. Yeah, that's right. Well, it was red. So 
I guess you were talking about where Red was skipping off to or running off to, but my question is where did he come from? Well, I'm assuming that he came... Well, he, he literally came from where everything went down a few seconds earlier. So if he is a magician, if he is creating um, chaos or evil or whatever you want to call it in this town, then it does feel like he came directly from that... I'm wondering... Well, I don't know. I'm kind of wondering whether maybe he and Jesse have been together as well. It's, it's out there. Romantically. Not, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with it. I think that's what that. happened. But, um, well, you know, Jesse's got a new car. So you'd be cheating on Shelley then. So yeah. Yeah, well, well, who said they were exclusive? Um, Jesse's got a new car, which kind of seems a bit... I'm trying to understand the purpose of this come and see my new car. Wasn't that purpose Same. just pure... Twin Peaks, just, a, like just, end just, scene. just that lovely little non sequitur. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure. He's got a new car. Mm. He's got a new car. He does feel like one of those. He's got an expensive watch. He does feel like one of those things you just dismiss, and then five episodes later, you find out it was crucial. Yeah. 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 I don't tell you that it's crucial, but I mean, I, I think we know. Like, there's clearly a, a distinction between the old school cops or the sheriffs in the sheriff's department. And Margaret even says the brother, the people that have been with you, they are the yeah. good people. Yeah. And then you've got this new group of people, which includes Chad, yeah. Chad, 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 and and Jesse, and and probably those two more so than anyone else. I mean, there's two, there's two classes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are, they are the the so, young ones. They're the only ones without grey hair, I think, in that department. Is that right, Chad yeah. and Jesse? Everyone else has grey or white hair. Mm. That could mean something. I mean, so far, Eilis, Chad is a fucking Chad. Richard yeah. Horn is a fucking Chad. Yeah. Richard <laughs> is a fucking Chad. Yeah. Jesse, so far, is just a little bit of a twerp, but maybe yeah. he'll he hasn't, out to be a he hasn't reached full Chad, Chad he status. He's a junior Chad. Yeah. Yeah. I do, you know what's interesting, actually, about the, uh, the Chad thing with Richard? Do they know each other in the. Is it the Bang Bang Bar or the Roadhouse? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because he, he takes a bribe. He, he takes, takes a bribe, bribe, but do they know each other before that bribe? I wasn't I sure. So. I would I have thought, thought so. Yeah. I, th- I got the sense that, was, that there was history. Right. Yeah, that was their, that's their pickup. That's oh, their, right. yeah. the regular way they do the pickup. Yeah. Oh, I see, right. Yeah. <laughs> His signal is to start smoking right underneath a no smoking sign. And yeah. that's, that's when you know that, oh, <laughs> time to get the cash. That's Chatter's worked out. I've worked out the total way that we can do this and no one will notice us. Exactly. Let's break as many laws as possible. Nice work, Chad. And I'm going to celebrate with coffee and a in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get past coffee in the toilet. <laughs> That's just wrong. Um, all right, so we get speaking of coffee, um, we've got some coffee's going to be served up. How, how does he put down his put down his pants? Don't you put the coffee, coffee on, on the system? On the hook? Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> so unhygienic. <laughs> There's not one single part of that. He's that not licking imagine, the coffee off the system. Imagine just being in the next stall along and he just... Mm, that tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee on the system feels like the Twin Peaks equivalent of doing coke off the top of the door. <laughs> like, and this point in time, whilst we've gone taking that trip down memory lane, I just want to remind people that there's still... Memory lane of coke off the top of a toilet system. Yeah. There is still one on page from Laura's diary yeah. that is unaccounted for. Oh, that's true. That's, that's true. true. Maybe this. Maybe if you turn over the map, uh, that <laughs> oh, you time. don't want to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know about that. All right, let's get on to Gordon. Is in desperate need of a coffee because he's got the shakes. He's got yes. like a cat on a hot tin roof. Roof. Oh, you mean roof? It's never done that before. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
He's, he's, he's been places his, before. His years of uh, hard living is just ca- catching up with him. Oh, no, it's because he's had an encounter with the dark side, right? He's, he's, yes. Well, I'm just hearing that he's, he's been to this mm. place before. Mm. Yeah. Or been, oh, been so on, what, or been so on what you're saying before. is not just that he's not just commenting that his hand's never shaken before, but I've never had a physical reaction after seeing the lodge before. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, a really I, cool. I nice. Get that, that, but it's, in, yeah, yeah. it's a good interesting I, yeah. You're so much sharper than me now. No, <laughs> I no, know no. everything I've No, as value. history has proven to date, these insightful observations have come to nothing and they've been completely wrong. Um, I look, we, there's no doubt that Diane is being a bit of a snoop. Um, yep. When she sees the photo of the coordinates, she's kind of not even very subtly kind of have a bit of a look over it. And to, and lips are moving like she's trying to memorise them. Oh, I think Albert's luring her to that, though. Like, I think it's a very deliberate... Oh. Because Albert knows. Right? That's what yeah. I think as well. Yeah. It's like, surely he's... Diane doesn't know that Albert and Gordon know what mm, she's yeah. been up to. Yeah. Right. But also, this is what makes me think, actually, it's not as simple as her working for Bad Coop, is that Bad Coop is notoriously tech-savvy and has all these weird kind of technological... Uh, tools he uses to disable alarms and send messages through coded means. Yep. So for them to easily be able to trace his call feels to me as if there's something else at work there. Yeah, I, I still think she's an independent third agent yeah. doing her own thing. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think she's an agent of, of bad coup. I love that Tammy's finally... Why does every time we see Tammy Preston... She's acting like a glorified flight attendant. In fact, yeah. uh, on the flight, she actually brings the coffee and yeah. all that stuff. And now she's doing it again. Oh, I've got a tray of coffees yeah. for you guys. And like, what is it? The policeman's... The policeman's dream. The policeman's dream is like, basically say, I'm a policeman, Tammy. You, you might not know this. I'm a policeman. You're not a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, you know. she's the working experience I'm wondering kid. whether... <laughs> it was Cole who says the policeman's dream, so I'm wondering whether Tammy is Gordon's policeman's dream. Oh, right. Oh. He did get a bit handsy with her last episode. Yeah. Fix your heart or die. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where there's a conversation about what these guys may or may not have seen in in the abandoned lot. Um, Albert describes the woodsman as like an old homeless guy. Uh, And Diane says that she says she thinks she saw someone getting out of the car. So as Mm. you said, Steve, we we saw saw. the charcoal man heading towards the car. Um, Although it doesn't seem to go backwards in time. Oh, I mean, time works differently. But... Yeah, he's moving forwards when we yes. see it. It so doesn't seem unnatural. It, it wasn't so out of the ordinary to me that she might have seen him leave the car as well. We just didn't see that. Yeah. That, I agree. But that's that's except, how I took it initially. Except that she doesn't say, I saw him get into the car and that's get out true. of the car. And you see her react as he's, going, he's getting mm, towards the yeah, car. So yeah, that's yeah. the moment she's she. we see her clock that. That's a good um, point. We don't see her clock anything of him getting out uh, or anything after the... Explosion of the of the head, mm. um, but so. I can also understand why she may not have um, wanted to signpost that she saw the woodsman going into the car because if she's the only one who saw it, why the fuck did she not say anything and try and stop what was about to happen? But by the same token, if that's the case, why did she say anything at all? Like, yeah, I, I can like I, I've really just been well, trying to work out all the different motivations. I, yeah, and all I, agree. I can think of is, but she um, gets very she, defensive she when does. Mackley and Tammy yeah. say that they didn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. She, she does. So uh, yeah, very hard to I, decide. I agree. I think that whatever's going on with Diane, there's more than just her withholding information. There's mm. also a question of how uh, coherent is the information that she's experiencing. Mm. Yeah. My um, guess at this stage, it's only a guess, but uh, and it's based on how she reacted to Cooper originally 
and the text message and the the reversals that we saw is that somehow there is that that perhaps she's an unwitting pawn of uh, of the lodge. So maybe yeah. Philip Jeffries. The, if there's a doppelganger, Philip Jeffries, he has done something to her, and she perhaps doesn't even know that she's his pawn at this stage. So she's infected yeah, by the lodge, yeah. but it hasn't changed who she is um, or her horror at seeing Bad Coop or, or anything like or that. Or she knows she's an agent of someone and has been sold a reason that she believes in for why she could be. Yeah. Um, or she just doesn't really trust anyone anymore as a result of her experiences mm. yeah and doesn't feel that she can rely necessarily on like she seems to have there's an affinity with Cole to, and with Albert to a lesser extent like there's a kind of a chummy uh, friend of you Albert yeah, friend of me friend of me yeah yeah you, Albert. but certainly not Tammy certainly not uh, Mackley or McClay or however his name is pronounced um, and so and certainly not Cooper like good or bad, mm. I mean, she had him blocked. Mm. You know? Yeah. So there is a mm. a sense in which she is carving out her own path because that's all she knows. She feels that she can trust. Yeah, yeah. Hey, now, have you had a theory about? Um, it was in the previous episode, I think, um, part ten, where they're sharing a smoke out on the on the doorstep, and. Anyway, share your th- theory where you said that you thought Gordon Cole was testing her, was uh, asking a testing question just to see if it was the real Diane or not. Yeah, I, look, I thought that scene was just very strange in terms of its delivery again. And I think we talked about unco- um, scenes that are played for just a fraction too long. And I thought that that scene was, you know, played for a very long time. And I wonder whether it was, and maybe it was a bit of a hindsight in hearing, you know, Cole saying, you know, there was something in the way that she hugged him that didn't feel right. But I wondered whether Gordon was actually testing her in this when he asked her, do you remember when we used to smoke in the old days? And mm. Diane says, yeah, I sure did. I'm not entirely sure they did used to smoke together in the old days. Yeah, right. So, so that might have been a sneaky... Yeah, I, I, I think Gordon is... Between Gordon and Albert, I think they're slowly starting to put pieces together. Yeah. They don't know what's going on. They know Diane's not entirely on the up. But I think... I'd love it if part 12 is like the equivalent of part 8. So while the Hiroshima goes in the background, it's like 1989 and Cole just saying, gee, Diane, you never smoke with it. Never, ever smoke. (laughs) It's changed the way we watch television. She's like, fuck you, Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, this scene is also notable for possibly the second possible title of this podcast episode, which is Cole referring to, saying that he remembers seeing bearded men in a room. Yes. Dirty bearded men in a room. Yeah. And we've now, all deliberately not shaved. Yeah, that's well, right. Yeah. I'm, so I'm going to, because I cannot grow a beard, um, I could try. But I, I don't I, think I'm tried I'm, hard enough. I'm, I'm issuing a challenge to the three of you that by the time we record part 18, I want the three of you to have beards. Oh. Uh, no. Uh, no. Challenge no, not accepted. <laughs> what you're going to have is three of us looking like Stephen, <laughs> just like with his sad. <laughs> like, this is as good as we could do. Yeah. Oh. Man. I get sideburns, but they grow outwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I end up looking like um, not so much a, a woodsman as a 19th century <laughs> big game hunter. <laughs> so, oh, oh, shame. Yeah. Anyway. Imagine Stephen being a woodsman. This is the water. This is the water. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to shave. Come <laughs> <laughs> to Stephen. Oh, all right. Um, so we, we, we go. So we go to Vegas and we uh, we reunited with, with Dougie and, and Bushnell Mullins. Um, which 
I thought there was a lovely piece of, of comedy and, and the actor that plays Phil Bisbee, I think, probably doesn't get enough credit for just how comedic his skills are. But um, Bushnell calls for, for Dougie to come, to come <laughs> hither and we see through... Bushnell's yeah. glass wall. Luring him. Phil like, Bisbee luring Dougie <laughs> to the room. I love, like I, a girl Friday. With right, I love the coffee. way that they had, like we, we've talked a lot about how, you know, they didn't send Dougie to a doctor for ages and nobody seems to notice his strange behaviour, but they actually have. They've just learned how to deal with it. Like how, to, <laughs> how to navigate it. So if we lure him around with coffee, we can get him to do whatever we like, like some idiot survivor. Uh, uh, and look, there was a guy on, on Reddit, and I think we'll need to post a, a link to it because I'm truly ripping off exactly what he said here, but I think it's a really nice observation that the Dougie Jones uh, character arc is uh, a way of getting all the coopisms without the character of Dale Cooper overwhelming the story they're trying to tell. Like if if it was Kyle McLaughlin playing old Cooper and it's like, gee, I love cherry pie and oh, damn fine coffee, ever, all the nostalgia nuts would be like, hey, but it wouldn't actually take us anywhere. But yeah. by removing all of the bits of Cooper's personality, but we see that childlike enthusiasm for mm. coffee and just falling around or just walking out and getting cherry pie, you're getting that... Um, pure heroin hit of uh, a little bit of coop without the, yes, the character over the yes, yeah. right. yeah. totally agree. Agree yeah. but yeah. it's agony <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, if, if this was a binge watched show which uh, we, we uh, Steve and I talked about this when we went to, to get some damn good coffee earlier but um when this started, you're kind of like, uh, no, I understand. We, this is actually you, this is what you were saying, Steve, and I agree. It's like, you, I, I can't binge watch this. There's too much going on. I want it teased out. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, yeah. I just need to know what happens next <laughs> by the end of the episode. And I'm loving the pace because it does give you that kind of dreamlike meditative flow to the story. Yeah. But my God, like, I, I want to see something resolved. Like, so you remember once upon a time, so slowly. Oh, yeah. this is how we watch television. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Like back in the old days, that's how we did it. But I don't think that, I mean, you know, we've talked about how, how this is changing TV the same way the original series did, and I agree, but I think it's also, it is looking forward to a streamed, um, yeah, TV is not like that anymore. And I think that, that, uh, that Lynch is aware of that and he's not relying on that. I agree, but I also think that there is a really nice nod, at least in this first showing, of the way that we used to watch TV. And mm. I like that uh, we're not instantly gratified. Yeah, But it's, it's not how we used to make TV because the episodes, when, when things were parceled out week by week, the episodes had a sense of a self-contained story, which they don't really in this series. Even the original series of Twin Peaks, there is a sense of, you know... I mean, some of them are more obvious, like the funeral episode... Um, and, but there, there was a sense that there is something we're going to achieve over the course of this next 45, 50 minutes. The exception to that is the daytime soap. No, I don't agree. Oh, no, daytime, I... daytime soaps usually have, I, I, I think they usually have um, story threads that might go for three or four episodes, but there is a sense in which over this one, and, and there'll be three or four of those overlapping, um, but there is a sense in which every individual episode also has, um, you know, a beginning, middle and end. It's, there's a, a great... Um, I think I got this from a guy called John York, uh, who talks about he's a he's a sort of a screenwriting mm. um, theorist, um, but he talks about the fractal nature of storytelling, which I think is really mm. true that you have yep. similar structures for a scene as for an act as yes. for a whole story, yep, yep. and um, so while you have these other overlapping storylines, generally uh, in television you still have a sense in which it's self-contained, and and sometimes Twin Peaks does that. I think this episode feels like there is two halves 
So there's the Dougie Jones half and the, the other half. Yep. But each of those... Uh, and the Dougie Jones half does feel like here's the beginning, middle and end to this part of the story. Yeah. But these other things yeah. don't. I think that phenomenon of having a sort of an episode or two halves, and I think the last sort of two, maybe three episodes, two episodes are very much a, a game of two halves. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I... I, I'm not entirely sure I agree, but we can probably agree to disagree on that point. Okay. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I will say about this, and um, look, I'm really gratified for, for everyone, all of our podcast listeners that are listening now. Well, number one, thanks so much for all of your support. If you do love us, go and tell as many people as you can. Honestly, just spread the word. It's the best way to get the word out there. One of the other great ways to do that is go onto the iTunes website and give us a review. Um, and if you don't do this, you don't love us. Yeah, that's clearly, that's, that's the only, <laughs> that's the only like reason. If you don't like us, just say nothing. Yeah, because no one likes a whinger. Um, that, but, but, but I guess what I'm saying is as, as many of uh, the thousands of downloads that we've had so far, we are making this for posterity because there will be people in five years' time that will, n- will probably won't understand our agony and our anxiety about why is this taking so long? Because honestly, not even in five years' time, in five months' time or maybe... Two months, three months' time. Eight weeks' time, people will be able to binge-watch the whole thing mm, in a yeah. single mm. day if they really care to. So this... this Agony is only temporary. We're experiencing it right now because we're experiencing this thing in real time, but it's not always going to be this feeling of, of uneasiness and come on, hurry, hurry, hurry up is what we're experiencing, but I would put it to you that probably even, maybe even the majority of people that watch Twin Peaks are not going to have that same experience as us. But I do as think- much as I um, love the... As much as I'm in agony as I all about what happens next week and, and oh, man, I just wish we could know... Uh, how like what a what a gift to actually go through this because we no we will never get this again we, yeah. we won't yeah. get this feeling no one in the future will get this feeling so absolutely and I do uh, think that that you know as much as there are things that are changed or updated in this series or people talk about the differences of the original series one of the things it definitely has is that that desire to, which we've been doing over analyze every little element which you don't get in a in a binge watched series because mm. you don't need to like if you've got answers yeah, just watch the next, just exactly watch the next right. yeah. I wonder what happens to him oh let's just and find I, out shall we and I do feel like that's part of the project is about creating that feeling of wanting to you know like analyse your dreams talk about all the symbolism in, in detail and that's that's part of what makes Twin Peaks Twin Peaks mm. yeah. and meanwhile doing it in a way where he they have maintained such control over the confidentiality of it and that there have been no leaks whatsoever. Yeah, just yeah. no one I, knows what's coming out. Even I actually got desperate. I started, I started <laughs> Googling, it's got to be spoilers somewhere about <laughs> about when, when Cooper comes back. Like, that's all I want to know is like how much longer do we have to wait? And there's nothing. Do like, you know there is one place on the internet? There is, is it one. in the dark and, web? No, no. Is, <laughs> right. You have to go there at a particular right. time. I, I, yeah. found some, I found some guns and some drugs and some Twin Peaks. There is a website. The Velvet Road. I think it is called something like Commercials <laughs> I Hate or something. It's some weird little, it's the equivalent of an old GeoCities like Welcome in to search the Zone. In Search for the Zone. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just some guy, just different, different commercials that he hates. But he must work for Showtime or something because... At the very bottom of his website, on like half a dozen different occasions, next to the copyright thing, he's just got a little quote or a little something that looks like a complete non sequitur, um, but it relates to the well, next episode, episode of Twin Peaks. Wow! And it's nothing. It's nothing more than. Um, uh, I, I can't even think of an example of one of the quotes now. But it's not just. He's not just gone ahead and seen the. 
the episode titles, like Laura is the one. No, or... no, it's not that. It I, is. I love the narrative that's unfolding here because for people who don't know Steve, he in, uh, in spare time, he's a lawyer uh, and is the most um, law-abiding person I know. This is the flaw in Steve's, in Steve's personality. Yes. It's going to get him to cross into the dark it's, web. It's, and Steve's, dark it's actually Steve's Twin doppelganger sitting yeah. next to us right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, actually, so for an example, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, just before the episode in question screened um, uh, for, for a few days beforehand at the very bottom of the website commercials I hate it said around the dinner table the conversation is lively oh, what how can you no no, so, like, no really specific but also completely random um, so that's not it oh my god so yeah it's not even a spoiler it's, it's not even like- a spoiler it's just something that I mean just like Twin Peaks itself it only becomes apparent after you after you see it but how how have, how is Showtime not just jumping on this guy and suing his I ass? I don't know. Wow. So I am now going to... I want to go to this side now. <laughs> I know what's in there right now? Good question. Holy shit. Um, we can cut this out if it's going to be a spoiler. Speaking of which, yeah. next episode, the title of the next episode is Let's Rock. Let's Rock. Let's so, Rock. Oh. Fucking yes. I'm excited. <laughs> can can oh. somebody... I don't have internet access right now. Can somebody uh, oh. go to the... Uh, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. Tell us what's down... Yes, Stephen, tell us what's down the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> um... I love I love the the piecemeal nature of this though. It is like a, it's like an ARG, like it's like an yeah. augmented reality game where it, the the story spreads so far beyond what we see on screen, which is also I think part of what we've been talking about in terms of the the closing credits that gives you more insight into the story. Absolutely. Yes, and it's it's probably not done as well as a lot of other. Um, I was never a big Lost fan, but I imagine there was also wasn't there some also some ARG elements to that? Yes, or, there, yeah. there was some real life clues you could find in geocache locations and all this yeah, other yeah. kind of stuff. We thought there was almost going to be a little bit of that when um, the cer- certain coordinates got released from the um, from the Search for the Zone website, um, but it never did kind of really pan out that way. That, uh, never sort of... Other than that's probably where they're, where that site was was meant to be in the fictitious, but it didn't, yeah, it didn't cross over. Yeah, it didn't sort of cross over no. to the real um, Look... Unless there is something in the nep- next episode that says cookie and JavaScript must be enabled on your web browser. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think JavaScript is like oh, <laughs> That is hilarious. We're laughing now, but cookies and JavaScript. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did anyone see the TV series? I haven't seen much of it, but the TV series Gravity Falls. Oh, that's, that was the one I was thinking of. But very inspired yes. by by Twin Peaks. Utterly, utterly, yeah. There was a um, so in the final episode. Is that what you're talking about? The final episode. Well, in every credits. episode. Well, in every episode, there's some sort of uh, there's a little. Um, you know, when you need those little decoder rings to. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, yeah, it's yeah. like a, a, a language made of glyphs. And mm. then there was a large one, the last one, and it took I think something like a year and a half, two years. Um, but somebody found a statue that had been buried in this incredibly remote location, um, which was a kind of elaborate treasure hunt. Uh, like a real life building to real world yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that does not surprise me at all because they 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 had a lot of those sort of um, almost subliminal little bits of text or glyphs or words that would pop up in the gravity yeah, falls yeah. Um, and yeah you had to like figure it out or whatever and some of them were like aimed for kids they weren't that hard to figure out yeah. but it sounds like there was this whole meta uh, game going on there and as it was well, never, so. I don't think it was ever explicit that that's what you should do but it kind of grew out of people discussing mm. the story and can I just go back to um, episode names? Because, Steve, you mentioned that the next episode, part 12, is called Let's Rock. So yep. the episode names for the next few episodes have been 
released. Yep. Um, and so after part 12, which is Let's Rock, part 13 is called What Story Is That, Charlie? Whoever the Charlie is. Um, wow. Part 14 is called We Are Like the Dreamer. Part 15, There's Some Fear in Letting Go. Mm-hmm. And part 16, No Knock, No Doorbell. Let's talk about the Mitchums. We're back in Vegas. Now, uh, Dougie's going to go for his second ride uh, in a in a limousine. <laughs> um, you found something huge about this this week. Did I? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, so, yeah. So before he goes off, he goes to uh, a coffee shop and we think, oh, what, he's going to get some more coffee or something like that. And, and the name of the coffee shop uh, has got this weird spelling of Simon's. I guess you pronounce it Simon's, but it's got S-Z-Y-M-O-N-S. And Z is a different colour as well. Yeah, and yes, it looks... And it, it's slightly more prominent font. And yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's clearly there for a Gerard reason. luring him into the coffee shop. Yeah, so we've got the one-armed man beckoning him in there. And look, as a, as a former tournament Scrabble player, some of these, like, ridiculous, stupid words just stick in your brain. Like, uh, you know, there are not that many six-letter words that don't have any vowels in them at all. One of them is rhythm. Doesn't It's six letters, no vowels. But there's another word called zizagy, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, zizagy, which is... S- <laughs> we're not going to tease you for mispronouncing oh, yes. zizagy, yeah. as, as some people have that been teased. Be, that, that would be pretty unpalatable <laughs> if that happened, I guess. <laughs> 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 okay, very quiet. Um, yeah, it's, that, would, that would be a harbinger of things. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, the zizagy is spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y, and... I didn't. I don't. I know, I know now because I looked it up. But I didn't know. That, I didn't know what it meant. I just knew it was one of those sort of trivia word trivia things. Is like here's a word, six letters. Um, so the S Z Y S Y Z thing sort of made me think. Oh, what's that funny word zizagy? I'm going to look it up. You know what it means? It means the near straight line convergence of three or more celestial bodies. It means the convert. It's like what happens with a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, where you've got the planetary alignment of all of these things that come into alignment. Or, say, Mars and Jupiter. Yeah. Or Sorry, Ju- Mars and Saturn. Ju- or Jupiter and Saturn or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, this is the complete... If they're dropping that clue in there, it also means that they're indicating this idea where this is when the Red Lodge opens. Is It's when Jupiter and Saturn meet or it's the eclipse. Wait, there's or- a Red Lodge? What did I say? Holy fuck! <laughs> where, where is now? Where there's always yeah. cherry pie in the air. Yeah. What did I say? Uh, red lodge. Red lodge. Oh, well, there you go. Black <laughs> so lodge. There's a black room and a white room. Oh, and a that's red right. Lodge. Yeah. No, with the, the red blue, room. It's where the blue room leaves the purple room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was just one of those weird word trivia things that I just thought was like yeah. it was really. But it's really because it, it seemed like it was there for intention. It feels yeah. significant. Yeah. Yeah. And then dig down the rabbit hole and it, man, there's something going on there. But it is very interesting because. Um, you know, we opened this, scene, this part with two boys playing catch that become three boys. Yep. Um, the number three is clearly very significant. We've got the three detectives Fusco, yep. the three pink showgirls. Um, there's a lot of groupings of three is, is a very important thing. Or two becoming three was that something else that I had read earlier. Seasons of Twin Peaks, two become three. Fuck <laughs> yeah. yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Touchdown. <laughs> Um, but also I think syzygy also relates to um, – there's a biological definition as well, which is in relation to um, my, the process of meiosis, which is the splitting of the sex cells, so sort of male becoming female and – or you know, male and female. The separation of male and yeah. female, the creation of duality. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's, it's, and these are the same sort of themes that we've seen so far in um, either – Splitting, like when we're talking about episode eight and part eight, we're talking about splitting the atom and the creation of good and evil and and the and the 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 parting of 
good and bad, the creative and the destructive and all that sort of stuff, and then working out, does that ever converge and come back yeah. to one again? Laura is the one. Um, but we didn't talk about the uh, what, why Dougie is going into Zyman's famous coffee, and that's because we've got some further insight into the, organ- the world of organised actuarial crime mm. <laughs> um, with, with Bushnell Mullins. It's very, very loose use of the word actual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actual actuarial. Um, uh, but... We were last week. We were a bit puzzled about this insurance claim that yeah, the, the yeah. Mitchums had put in for thirty million dollars, and and the conspiracy between Duncan Todd and, and Anthony Sinclair. And David and, Lynch and Mark Foss clearly heard what we had to say. That's right. Yeah, hastily uh, wrote. <laughs> they reshot some, some, they some scenes. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so apparently, Bushnell is going, has dis- discovered through Dougie's research, using that term very loosely, mm. that this. Apparently, fraudulent insurance claim is real, and so Bushnell is entrusting Dougie to give um, the Mitchums a thirty million dollar check. Which, coincidentally, the Mitchums have called through to Bushnell, wanting to have a personal sit down with with Dougie um, later today, later that day, presumably to kill him. Mm. Yeah, except it doesn't turn out that way because because one of the Mitchum brothers had a dream. Has, is as in touch with his dream state as <laughs> Cooper and Major Group Briggs before him. Yeah. Uh, it was less a dream, more of a vision. Yep, so they get up for a nice uh, prompt breakfast at... 2.23. 2.23 in the afternoon. Well, you know, when you're casino dudes, yeah. afternoon yeah. this morning. Fair enough. I, say, I love the domesticity of their yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> so you're eating, eating cereal in their dressing yeah. gowns. The sweetest mobsters yeah, I've ever right. yeah. yeah, the crap really out of a I think the last two parts have really portrayed the Mitchums in a very... You know, they've rounded out their characters. And I think, Phil, last week you called them lovable, irascible kind of... Yeah, like they're types, not real gangsters. They're not gangsters. Yeah. They're just a couple of dum dums. The way that he, he does his little dance when he gets the check. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so it's quite he, beautiful. I mean, but seriously, could Jim Belushi wear any more makeup? <laughs> like any more, and he could be Bozo the Clown. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> like he's got such a naturally craggy face, and there's, it's just it's smooth. It's yeah. Exactly, it's like foundation yeah. and eyeliner, and it's like someone has stitched his eyebrow up in one tiled position. But it's a it's it's a beautiful performance. I wasn't quite sure about him when we first saw him in um, one of the earlier parts, but I think they've really in the last two episodes rounded out the relationship and his character. Yeah. Well, let's cut a long story short. They definitely the Skinny Mitchum is absolutely red hot to trot. It wants to kill Cooper, but. As does Bradley in, at two twenty three. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's, 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 so, he's so I confused. hate that guy. Like, yeah. and we don't know why he's so confused. Yeah. Like he's saying, you know, I hate that guy. But we learn later that his dream is telling him actually not to kill him, even though it sounds like he's saying that it... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Cooper arrives. He's carrying the box. What's in the box? It's not Gwyneth Paltrow's... It's not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> it is cherry pie, as predicted. And, of course, Belushi just goes, ape. Yeah. Starts yeah. howling like a wolf. Finds a cheque for $30 million. Starts howling like a Jerry Horn. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's who these guys remind me of. Ben and Jerry. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. And also a little bit of Bobby and Mike. Like Bobby and Mike do a bit of oh, they do a bit and of that, howling. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Mike and Bob, but Bobby and Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly, for just for one second, just go back to as Bushnell is dispatching um, Dougie Coop into Al's limo, or the limo that's been driven by Al. And Bushnell gives Dougie a little, you know, gentle sort of bump on the chin with his fist like the pugilist that he is. <laughs> and um, and Dougie actually starts massaging his face yep. in a way mm. that's not dissimilar to when Bad Coop kills. had Jack's oh, face yeah. in his hand. Um, Jack the Mechanic from, I think, part two. Yeah. Um, who ultimately Sorry. ends up being dead. And um, 
as Bushnell says, knock them dead, champ. Um, Dougie repeats the word dead. Mm, yeah. mm. So again, it could be just a crazy coincidence or just a nice reminder of something that happened in a previous episode, but it was a... There's a kind of sense of action at a distance there between those two cookers. There was a sense cookers. of synergy yeah. Yeah. as opposed mm. to syzygy. Mm. The Mitchums are so thrilled. They, they, now Dougie's their best friend. They invite him to dinner. And Get on to the topic of gym sets. <laughs> yeah. Which, when you think that that uh, Dougie Coop is pretty much catatonic, like how he said something that they interpreted as, <laughs> as gym, gym set. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's bonkers. Uh, and then we've got the lady who's addicted to slot machines. Lady slot addict. Yeah. Uh, turns out, oh, that was so Mr. Jack was great. Was I just wanted to thank you. You've changed yes. my life. Well, maybe not. Like, if you still go back to the slots, you'll probably just lose all the money again and you'll be back to and where you are. And by the way, she tells the Mitchums, I hope they realise well, how special this guy is. Meanwhile, Dougie's the one who's actually responsible for them, not only just losing 425 $472,000, but whatever else Lady Slot Addict won to get her out of yes, poverty. Yes, true, true. And into fancy <laughs> evening dresses. Yeah. And a dog. Yeah, but he but he got them their money back from yeah. the insurance claim. So they're, they're thirty million up. So they're, they're, they're legitimate insurance claim. I love yeah. that. There is a, a mobster uh, gang who run a casino who yeah. have a legitimate That's insurance right. claim. Some asshole actually million. did burn down so their as, casino. They're like, oh, we didn't even mean to do as, that. As Bushnell says, alleged gangsters. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, but does anyone know why the amount that Dougie won? At the casino has suddenly gone up from four hundred twenty-five thousand to four hundred seventy-two. That's the vig. It's <laughs> called the vig. They got the juice. The juice is flowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea. I, I just presume that was he just misspoke. Like he mis- misspoke his line and, and said four seventy-two. All oh, right, but we've talked about it going up a few times. Yeah, I like it was the idea that they just, last they're just enthusiastic and keep making yeah. their number bigger. <laughs> oh, you mean they catch fish and every time the fish keeps getting yeah, better? Right, yeah, every time That's they right. retell the story, yeah. it gets better and better. And then he gave us a check for hundred and twenty-six million dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's it's weirdly precise. Yeah. The fact that it keeps getting <laughs> bigger right. and bigger. Yes. Uh, and candy. We, candy. Say, we say candy. I, I need to take this opportunity to retract what I said a couple of episodes. You said that you thought candy had more to uh, to give or that there was some meaning there. And I was like, ah, she's just comic relief. But the more that you see, the more that she is reflecting Dougie Coop's yeah, absolutely. stylings. And mm. so, a little bit of Dougie Coop, a little bit of, you know, uh, maybe even uh, Sarah Palmer. Like there is a sense that she's tapped into some other reality yes. or damaged by something else that she's seen. I well, think. and Phil, last week you said that you thought that the role of the pink showgirls um, was that they were seeing things, and I think you talked about it in the context of the casino, but in this episode, I, I wonder whether it's a little bit broader than that, and I mm. wonder whether at least Candy, we see Candy, is, and she's a bit of, she's a traveller of some sort, she goes places as well, because, you know, Bradley says, where have you been, Candy? And she says, after this moment of detached listlessness she says there was so much traffic on the strip there were cars everywhere now she is hyper excited she could easily be talking about the vegas strip for sure um but if she is i've been to vegas and the strip many times and there have been cars everywhere 24 all the time (laughs) it's never not it shouldn't be notable or excitable however cars everywhere in twin peaks on the strip yeah would be notable yeah so I'm not saying that she's. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying actually, but uh, I just found it really interesting. That don't, doesn't one of the don't the um, the brothers contradict her after she says that off memory, or am I misremembering? After she says that there were cars everywhere, doesn't someone say something about there not being cars everywhere? I can't. Recall. Mm, I don't remember that. All right. Yeah. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm. 
Maybe I was just hooked into another reality. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Traveling, yeah. It was very busy. Well, um, she does that thing with her hand where she sort of does like a sort of a wave motion with your hand, yeah. which is what you do when you're a kid and you put your hand out the window while the car's going. That's you, right. do, you do that sort of wavy yeah. thing with your hand there. Yeah, so maybe yeah, she's, yeah. she's traveling. Well, it certainly does accord with the other cars everywhere on the strip we've seen earlier in the episode. So the idea that she is somehow viewing this mm. other yeah. occurrence makes sense. Yeah. If if one of the other showgirls had just started vomiting purple, then I would definitely think that there's a correlation there. I did read some crazy theory, and I think someone had freeze framed uh, a picture of the of the three girls, and they're in various poses, and they actually then jump put them against pictures of the various statues in the Red Room and they were quite similar. Oh, oh maybe. All right. Um, well, the statues in the Red cool Room, are, I think, are quite explicit references because they're existing well-known statues. They're referring to Jupiter and... and exactly, Venus, exactly, and, yeah, right. exactly. But I mean, um, you know, sort of... Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I'm gesturing and you've yeah, right. yeah. no benefit to anyone. I was just and thinking that from... And one of the pink girls has got no arms. The girl with no arms. I always do just think of one-eyed jacks. Like, they kind of remind me of a continuation of that oh, yeah. trope from the original series, except that they, they seem to do much more with them in mm. some ways. I'm not... I, I agree. My, my, my initial impression was probably that, and, um, but I, I think there's something a bit more to... Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I read a theory on the internet that... Um, it, and I, I'm not buying it... I'm not buying it specifically, but that candy is the vehicle for Laura and Candy is duggying out at the moment and just being all vague and whatever because she's yet to receive the spirit of Laura come oh, back through her. Oh, that's interesting. Ah. So I'm, I'm dead and yet I live. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen and Laura in the Red Room. I don't really certainly want to... sort of, if you pulled her face off, there'd just be nothing. That's right, Candy's just a ray of sunshine. I'd be, <laughs> be disappointed if, if that's what Me happened. too. I think it makes her a vessel and a vehicle and I quite like the idea that she is an agent. Exactly. You know, I'll be a, a slightly loopy, possibly damaged one, but yeah. it makes it less of a character and more of a symbol. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of think of when I think of the more I think about these three girls, whenever you see them, they tend to be set in some form of tableau. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, what Candy's the one who sort of momentarily breaks out of the tableau um, yeah. after, after much prompting and then sort of immediately goes back to. Um, assuming that state of stillness. Maybe so, there's a Donna, Laura, Audrey thing happening as well. Maybe. Like, so oh. the three women. Well, the, th- the number three, number three. Is, yeah, yeah. again, very significant. Uh, and then just, you know, whilst we um, are all sort of have been teased incessantly about when is Coop going to come back, we have this one final moment where he's still shoveling pie, Doug, he's still shoveling pie like a toddler, <laughs> uh, and uh, he mimics back Rodney this is damn good by saying damn good and then there's this pause mm. and it's probably a longer pause than most that we've seen you're like please tell me you're back please, <laughs> oh, please. I, I want to pull you out myself but what's amazing is that you see like you see on Carl McLaughlin's face like he yeah. stops being this kind of blank canvas yeah. and suddenly has personality again and yeah during the course of this week um, not like it was days after I saw the episode but it just hit me in like a ton of bricks at one stage you're like imagine we get to the end of part 17 and we like you see Cooper just flooding back into his body and there are the gates of the Black Lodge and it's all set up and you know the credits roll and like, fucking can't wait like final part it's all happening and then part 18 is like part 18 <laughs> 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 like no fuck you Lynch uh, you do get a feeling that that is the climax of the story which is a shame but also understandable for all the reasons that we talked about. Mm. Yes. Well, on that cheery note, we should probably wrap things up. 
Still no sign of Audrey Horn. Sorry, Nav. Yeah, disappointed. Yeah. I'm living in hope. Or Big uh, Ed. Or Big Ed. Or Big Ed. Yeah, or Big Ed. Yeah. We just yeah. said he was name-checked in yeah. this episode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But he was one of the first people we saw in the trailer, you know, yeah. like... I I have a feeling, and um, last week we talked about Margaret's message and you know the boy the men that Hawke's been with are the true men, and I thought that was a reference to the Bookhouse Boys. I think as we descend upon the first and the second of October, the Bookhouse Boys might the band might get back together again. Yes, mm. absolutely. Oh, and actually during the week, uh, Mark Frost tweeted that uh, that Carl Rod is an original Bookhouse Boy. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. And am I right in thinking Jerry Horn was a Bookhouse boy at one point? Oh. Because wasn't he, he part was, of the football team? He was part of the football team that they, they said everyone is, is a Bookhouse boy. Yeah. Um, from So this is from a little bit of Secret History of Twin Peaks and a little bit from and the third of the books that came out during the original season. So there was Laura Palmer's Secret Diary. Dale Cooper's autobiography and <laughs> Welcome to Twin Peaks, this bizarre little travel oh, bike. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, had a story about the football team as well. They were all bookhouse boys. Well, Jerry may end up being an accidental bookhouse boy because they may end up picking him up in the woods as they head to the Jackrabbit's <laughs> He's right. actually... He's, at, he's cut off his own foot. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, right. he's at the coordinates. He doesn't even realise it. Yeah. That's why he's, uh, he's can't find his way out. Joking about cutting off his own foot, but I was convinced that was what was going to happen. That mm. This was like the arm. This was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same voice that it was speaking to him in. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although I will say it's his right foot, not his left foot. Yeah. Everything that we've seen so far the that's touched foot. by evil or numb. Of course, uh, in some romance languages, the left, yeah. the word for left sinister. is sinister. Yeah. That's right. Um, um, yeah. But, and it, I'm sure most people have guessed this already, but the coordinates on Ruth Davenport's arm, uh, the... They have worked out on the again on the internet that those are latitude and longitude coordinates that lead you to somewhere in Washington near where the fictional town of Twin Peaks has has been in the past. So, right. which we would have found out this episode had fucking Tammy not Tammy not walked in. Yeah, with her policeman's dream. Yeah, policeman's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <a> wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that cheery note, we should probably wrap things up. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch you next week. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Stephen. (laughs) You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question, or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening.